Welcome to the Broken Metatarsal. My name is Rich Williams and this is a brand new podcast from Planet Football. I will begin by celebrating everything that Naughty's football had to offer. A decade of footballing brilliance, the Battle of the Buffet and some very well documented Broken Metatarsals. If you love that decade as much as we do, you are in the right place. So let me introduce you to with me. Uh, we should start with uh, Planet Football editor, Stoke fan and Ricardo Fuller aficionado, Mark Holmes. A name you're going to be hearing a lot more about in his podcast. <laughs> Mark Holmes or Ricardo Fuller. Both. Probably a bit of both. Uh, also with us, a gooner and comedian from Channel 4's The Last Leg, who's recently been swimming across the English uh, Channel. Alex Brook is here. Hello. And uh, football commentator and European footy expert, Pete Farris is here as well. Hello. I'm looking forward to this because this was a time when my team were doing quite well, this whole 2000s period. And well, this is the thing, right? Tailed off quite badly got, after you that. You got to so. write your own intro as well, Pete. Got to write my own <laughs> intro, which is fantastic. Uh, can, yeah, can anyone so. verify that you're a European footy expert or is that just the intro you gave us to give you? The, the great thing is now, right, you see, there's so many people on Twitter who say they're experts about things. No one gets challenged anymore. Nah. It's really nice. I have no idea about anything. This is just I've been drafted in the last second. I'll have to test you at some point. Um, before we crack on with this, uh, this episode is brought to you in association with the Football Index, the football stock market, where you can buy and sell players for real money. Sign up today at footballindex.co.uk and use the code TBMINDEX to trade with a £500 money-back guarantee. New customers only, 18+, plus, and more on that later because Pete's our expert. Well, he told he was an expert, but now I don't know anymore whether he is or not. And uh, he's been looking into that and has some more info on that for you later. So, Mark, let's just start with you. Why are we doing this? <laughs> it's strange, and I still can't quite get my head around it, but 2000, the year 2000 was 19 years ago now. It still feels like yesterday, and it can't possibly be nostalgic, but it is. It's actually a completely different era of football. It's Pete's already mentioned he's got a lot of great memories. I've got a lot of great memories. I think it's that, that era of sort of teens and 20s. It's just the best time for everything, isn't it? So it's going to appeal to a certain age, but also younger people, you know, the sort of start of the Mourinho era, that's when football changed forever. And, and that period just before that is really interesting looking back. So I think there's loads to go at. All that and uh, quickly Kevin already done the 90s. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lad, should we do a 90s podcast? No, I've done, been, done that one. So what can we do? This um, is basically like, I've, I'm looking at it as kind of like counselling of when life was good in every in every form when Arsenal were good when I was younger when I weren't as fat when I didn't have hair well, on my back I don't know mate <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean you two know it is worth saying you two know each other from from a long time ago right yeah started from the bottom now we're here yeah yeah we, we were at uni together when um when Arsenal went unbeaten when Stoke had Sammy Bangora banging him in <laughs> You and Buzz cut the absolute glory days, aren't you, mate? Yeah, it was the glory days. Were you showing a house together? Yeah, we did, yeah. Big time. Big time shadow house. There's a darkness to that. There's <laughs> no, a real darkness. That wasn't there. There's a real worrying no, darkness. We were sharing uh, we shared in the final year, so that was when that was the the uh, Arsenal run to the Champions League final. Yeah, oh, don't me, talk about that, mate. Don't me, get him going. <laughs> Me crying in the living room when Layman <laughs> saved that penalty from Raquel Me. This is really, this genuinely is therapy. This is counselling. I never, honestly, when Arsenal went the season unbeaten, I never thought that that would be the pinnacle of it. I never thought yeah. that we'd, it would, you know, be 19 years later. That's a bold prediction. Left. Season unbeaten now, we'll better this. Yeah, but, but, but I just kept thinking, well, well surely we're going to win the Champions League. Like, any time soon. It was, it was ours and... Uh, I mean, we're in the Europa League now. So. Didn't, didn't happen in the end, did it? I know what you mean, though, about thinking you're going to better the season. Because yeah. I remember when Leeds were in League One and didn't get promoted. I thought, I'm sure we're going to better the season <laughs> at some point in my lifetime, which we did. And, you know, we're, we're all right at the moment under BL, so we're doing all right. But, you know, when you think Stoke and Borough in the noughties, what are the memories that come back for you? Because Stoke, it was an interesting, like, an interesting decade for you. For it Stoke was. We, had, we, had, we started off in the third tier. We had two promotions. Um, still my favourite ever night, football or otherwise, um, Playoff semi coming up from the third tier at Cardiff, absolutely phenomenal. Then obviously went up to the Premier League and that era, um, the second coming of Pulis, you know, with, with all the players that were coming in, won 4 0 at Ellen Road, putting five past Norwich. He didn't need to. He didn't need to, did but, he? But, you know, he did, but he did. But he did. And then obviously bloody and noses, including Arsenal's in the Premier League. It was just phenomenal. So, yeah, fantastic decade for me. We got to the, Euro uh, the uh, UEFA Cup final. We were in Eindhoven, where things went quite badly against Sevilla. But, um, it, I mean, that run was unbelievable. The fact that McLaren was throwing six strikers on for the last <laughs> yeah, 10 minutes of games and just throwing everything at it. And it was just, at that time, the, the League Cup win, this whole sort of, this feeling that the club had been growing for a long time. We'd had the Janino era. Of course, he was back for a big period of it. But we, we'd sort of had this initial kind of burst and we'd sort of quietened down. And then all of a sudden, the McLaren, we were going for it again. It was a fresh team. There was all these great players in that team. 
And okay, the tactics were crazy and it was just charge effectively. But it was amazing that time. We'd love to hear from you, uh, of course, if you want to get in touch with us. Uh, the email is contact at planetfootball.com. Uh, we said the email because you could have done that at the start of the noughties, but you wouldn't have been able to tweet us. But you can tweet us as well. And uh, Mark will tell you the, the Twitter handle, which isn't Planet Football, uh, really uh, unhelpfully. It is. No, we're far too cool for that. It's Planet Football. The, uh, the Portuguese spelling. Some guy who's tweeted, I think, 14 times in about 10 years has unfortunately got Planet Football and we cannot get it off him. So Twitter, if you're listening, please help. Yeah, we, we'd quite like that. But, or, or if not, like I say, contact at planetfootball.com. So right, each episode, we will be digging into one element of the noughties. Uh, from the sublime to the ridiculous today, it's the heroic goals of Henri, the poise of Pires, the brilliance of Burkamp, the verve of Vieira, the composure of Campbell. I could go on, but I won't. This week, it's Alex Brooker's Paradise in a Podcast. It's the Invincibles. Thierry Henry. The Professional Footballers Association Player of the Year for last season is the first scorer for Arsenal at the beginning of this. Penalties, this is his hat-trick. So the invincible Alex, we're going to start with you because this, this presumably looking back, is just the greatest year of your life. It was when I look when I look back on it, I don't think I appreciated it anywhere near enough at the time. You know, we went through my entire first year at university without losing a single league game, (laughs) and like now it's just kamikaze football. And I wish I'd have just literally sat and savored every single Mm. moment of it. Because I remember when the year before Wenger said, I believe that we can go a season unbeaten. And we were quite close to winning the league that year. And we completely threw it away. Threw it away at Bolton away. Remember we had to have like, I remember Keown went off injured and Seagan played at centre-half. And I just thought, you are not going a season unbeaten with <laughs> Pascal Seagan playing centre-half if anyone gets injured. And then, you know, we went on this incredible run at the start. But you kept thinking, well, we're going to lose soon. Even, at, i tell you when I started to think it might, we might do really well was when we, the game at Old Trafford, when Van Nistelrooy missed that penalty in the last minute. Yeah. And even though it all booted off, you just thought it's, good, it, it's going for us here. It could, <laughs> it could go for us. And it was just, it was amazing as well. And also you forget that in the Champions League that season, we started really badly. We got absolutely humped by Inter Milan at home. And it was just, you just thought, we are nowhere near the level we need to be. And then I remember us even there going away to Inter Milan, winning 5 1. Henri scored a hat trick. It was unbelievable. He made Zanetti, made Javier Zanetti look absolute dog shit. He, it was like he was toying with him at times. It was like, and it just came together. It was one, it was just a pleasure to, to, to experience it all. And at the time, and I was at uni for the first time as well. <laughs> like I'd been to an all boys school. So all of a sudden, I was in an educational atmosphere with girls and shit like that. And, <laughs> you know, drawing pictures of footballers wasn't acceptable, but it was fine because it was Robert Pires and he was banging them in. <laughs> I just wish he I was banging them in. I wasn't. No, <laughs> no, I wanted to mention that, but I thought. 
I'll leave it for you. <laughs> I wish everyone could see your face right now. I mean, the, the, the broad smile on your face just talking about that season. That's what, yeah. that's what it does, isn't it? I had a poster it? of Pires, like a massive like door poster of him. But more we might not explain to people. That team, though, Alex, like, I, I think now, of all the teams I've ever seen, that Invincibles team had the best balanced squad I have you could ever think oh, of because you had you had the flair you had the reliability you had the like the hard men you had every aspect of every football you would ever want covered in that one team it yeah. was perfection that it side was, it's amazing when you look back at that team and you think of the amount of power that was right through the side so you had like Lauren at right back was just like a strong guy Campbell and Toro were strong centre arms and then you had Keown that had been relegated to the bench and then through the middle, you had Vieira. And then you had, like, Gilberto, who, even though, like, you wouldn't have thought of him as powerful, he was, like, such a good player. And then you had somebody like Henri up front. And right through the spine of the team, there was, like, strength. And yet, no team he ever assembled after that. He started buying all these little players after that. And it, it's incredible P- to People think forget that. that about Henri, don't they? Because they think of him, you know, as being a silky flair player, which he was. But he could, like match up to any centre half and you know yeah. physically it was fantastic yeah, wasn't it? It wasn't because he was so quick. No matter how hard the centre half was, when you've got a striker playing against you that quick, you can't there's no bullying him because you know that they're just gonna go past you. Yeah. So he just had them all he just had them all on their backsides and it was just ah, oh, the place was rocking. And it's like you when you think back to Highbury, you do think back like when people go, oh, I wish we were back there. Yeah, we do. We wish we were back at Highbury, but we wish we were back at Highbury 03, 04. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you speak of stadiums that are no longer there. I mean, you, you win the league at Spurs, at White Hart Lane. Oh, that day. I got up hungover, and I know this sounds fairly wanky, and it, <laughs> and it is, but you've got to bear in mind, I was 19. I had Champions 04 put on the back of my Arsenal shirt. All right, I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry. No, 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 no. And I remember getting it done at this, like, JJB Liverpool. (laughs) And the bloke just going, you haven't won the league yet. I was like, yeah, but we're going to today. And I remember being in my students' union watching it and had it zipped up the whole time. And I remember, like, when we went tuning up and we went, it's like, oh, surely we're going to mess this up. The excitement of winning it, winning it at Tottenham was too much. You couldn't imagine it. And we went 2-0 up in like 10 minutes. And I remember just, it was like, it was party time. And even when they came back, it was just, oh, the celebrations. And all the abuse that Campbell had got as well. And it yeah. was just, I remember the little inflatable Premier League trophies. I'd have given anything to have been at White Hart Lane that day. It was incredible. I remember whipping off my hoodie. I didn't think it was wanky until you described the unveiling. <laughs> well, at, oh, what point, at what point in the game did you full time? Uh, full time. Full you wait till full time. Whipped, whipped it's it round the head. Whipped it off. I remember. Off. Fair, fair play, Booker, for actually lasting because two nil up. He yeah. is honestly the most emotional football fan oh. I've ever met in my life. Good or bad, you know, we're seeing it through yeah, the I, eyes I, of I, Alex Brooker. Yeah, I, I did. I, I, I cried. I cried, and I like thing was I remember buying champagne in because it was El Clasico afterwards. I remember sitting there with this Champions 04 shirt on and buying this champagne. But obviously, I mean, it wasn't a high standard. It was a student's <laughs> union. It was just this fizzy wine that I paid like fifteen quid for. But God, I felt on top of the world. What a day, what a day that was! I really thought it was gonna, you know, I was gonna go out that night. Have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Zip the jumper back on. Yeah. And, yeah, it was just, oh, it was just wonderful. And even when we won the league, you didn't think we'd go a season unbeaten. I remember we played Birmingham like the following week at home, drew nil nil, and it was just like no one could give a shit. Yeah. Like the players couldn't have given a shit. The crowd couldn't have given a shit. It was like we might as well just end the season now. It's weird looking back because I still, this is going to sound mad, I still feel some sort of disappointment at that season because we should have won the Champions League and that was the year when Porto won it and you looked at the teams that were left and when we got Chelsea in the quarterfinal and that was probably the most difficult game left we drew one all in the first leg at their place and we went 1-0 up at home in the second leg and you just thought this is we won one up at half time I can't see them assembling a better team than that that is better equipped to perform in the Champions League and might add it was before football went crap Mm-hmm. Loads of billionaire owners came in, and we were doing it the right way as well. Can I say this is such like um, successful football team supporting mentality, which drives me mad. Right from from people who've been starved 
from success yeah. again, which is only a, a, a football fan who is spoilt rotten to the core with magnificent football going a season unbeaten, winning trophies, will then say, oh, I was disappointed because we didn't yeah. win the Champions League. I just want to win something, mate. I just want to win anything. I always use this analogy. If you broke your thumb and you turned around to me and you said, oh my God, it hurts, I'd say, well, at least you've got loads of fingers and a thumb to hurt. But it wouldn't stop your thumb hurting, would it? So that is an absolutely brutal takedown there. My <laughs> thumb, I'm just trying so to work out my thumb still No matter who you support. It's, it's all relative. What yeah, I'm trying yeah, to say yeah. to you is, it's all relative. And if you slag off, slag us off one more time, I'm going to break your thumb. <laughs> <laughs> Move well, thumbs, thumbs off table. <laughs> but that, but that, that Champions League one, you're right, that, who was left in that competition? Yeah. But like, I mean, Porto had bottled something. If we're being honest, obviously, we had that incredible yeah. run. They had found something, they'd bottled something and they were making a charge. But yeah, that was, I think, definitely their best chance Arsenal of winning the Champions League. It was the same, yeah, and I remember just before we played Chelsea in the second leg, we had a cup uh, semi-final against United and he made, he kept like quite a few of the first team in. It was like one of those weird things because you're looking at it and go, do you rest people? I don't think he did really. He made a few changes and we still played well but managed it. We, we ended up getting beat and then we just, within the space of a week, we were out of the FA Cup, we were out of um, the Champions League and that was when we played Liverpool and we kept going behind and it was just like, we're going to bounce the league as well. Like that was before the Tottenham game. And that was when Henri just took it by the bollocks and went, we're not having this. <laughs> and that, that goal, when he dribbled, dribbled around past like half a Liverpool team, made Carragher look like an amateur. It was just so many amazing moments in, in that season. Not to mention the fact that we completed a season unbeaten on my 20th birthday as well. Was, was in, that actually on your birthday? On my birthday, fifteenth oh of May, two thousand and four. And he's still complaining when about the, the Champions League. I mean, come on, mate! You had it all. They gave it all I to know. you. No, it's the first and only game, Arsenal game I've ever been to on my own. It was amazing. Were you wearing your Champions uh, Championship with Champions written on the back, presumably at that point? Champions 04. And there of course, was a, you did. There was a lot of other people that had Adam as well. I thought I'd been really unique. Trailblazer. I was yeah. first. I was literally first. <laughs> yeah. here. I think this I probably me. was. Yeah. You know, you did it before they'd actually won it. So. Yeah, I know. And the worst thing is. You know, like old football shirts are worth quite a lot now. Yeah. Like those old three, oh four shirts go for quite a bit, but you've got Champions 04 on the back of it. It doesn't matter whether we did it or not. <laughs> Taking the value right down. <laughs> I just want to tell people now, like City fans or whatever, just don't, don't, don't start, do it. Don't ruin these don't shirts that person. putting stuff on the back because you can flog them for loads. Whilst we consider how much money Alex Brooker could have made from his uh, <laughs> Arsenal <laughs> season winning shirt. Let's get the view of someone who was there at the time and viewed the whole campaign from the bench it was Arsenal's number two and here's what happened when we spoke to Graeme Stack Welcome to the Broken Metatarsal Graeme Stack everybody morning mate Thanks for having me When you think back to that season what, what are those first things that like spring to your, your mind it must have been incredible Do you know what there was so many just got so many fond memories really from, from start to finish a lot of it I must say is a bit is a bit of a blur with it being that long ago but there's obviously some some memories that will just never leave me really sort of my debut making my debut initially being called up to actually get changed in the first team squad uh, that first day of pre-season when you walk in the door and just naturally sort of make your way down the corridor uh, to train with the reserve team and uh, and sort of Liam Brady pulled you and said no Stacky said you're you're moving up with the first team and then you walk in you're sort of shaking uh, sort of thinking oh my god this is sort of like a bit surreal uh, and then you walk in and then you've got your name tag uh, in between Sol Campbell and Carnu and that was a bit mind-blowing at first. No one sort of teed it up or, or told me prior to that. It was just a case of sort of finding out on the day, which was um, which was a special moment, you know, being around such a such an unbelievable team, really, of not just individuals, but, you know, collectively what they what we went on to achieve as a group was, in my opinion, it's going to be very difficult to achieve again. Graeme, you said you were, you were sort of shaking when you, you found out, trembling a little bit, which is totally natural. Presumably that's why they yeah. tell you on the day, right? So you're not shaking for two I'd weeks in advance, so. right? Yeah, I'd say so, I'd say so. They couldn't have put me with two bigger fellas, so I But you know what I must say uh, as well, when when young lads did make that step up, with certain individuals within that group, such as Ray and, and Martin, that would that would make the extra effort with you initially to sort of, sort of bed you in, if you like. There was no, like, you know, arm round him, let's make a fuss of him. With the other lads, it was just like, look, he's part of us now. We'll, you'll soon find out what it's all about and the, the expectations and the levels that you've got to set. And it wasn't so long after that that Cesc came in as well. And obviously Cesc was, was younger than me. But blimey, sort of, he come in and just, he set the world alight. He was very casual anyway. He wasn't, I don't think Cesc got daunted by anything, I've got to say. Um, so being in that company, he probably felt, he probably felt it was pretty natural for him at the time. But He wasn't a shaker. But, 
No, he wasn't. He wasn't. <laughs> not at all. Uh, I remember when he first came in, this young boy sort of turned up, shorts were baggy, top was baggy, looked like he just sort of just come out of school. And I was like, I don't know if, you know, if he's this young kid. <laughs> and then we were doing like the boxes, uh, like the rondos and stuff. And um, he's not giving it away for about half hour. And I'm thinking, who on earth? Is, who is this? I don't know anything about him. No one knows really who he is. Just know he can't really speak English. He keeps smiling at everyone. <laughs> and he didn't give the ball away. And I thought, well, you're doing all right in a minute. That helped me because we made our debuts together as well. But no, it was it was nice to have someone else in that changing room at the time as well. At the start of that, game, you mentioned um, Ray Parler and Martin Keogh. And they were kind of the, yeah. the last of the old gob. You know, that lasted as, as Arsenal came in and, and brought in all these fantastic players. I think Ray Parler spoke about it quite a lot. It was like two worlds colliding. You must have some yeah. stories about, about you know, these different kind of characters in the dressing room and how they all interacted with each other. Do you know what? It's, I've always said that you've got to find the balance, haven't you? So you've got to have, you've got to have young, you've got to have enthusiastic, energetic, you've got to have old, you've got to have experience, you've got to have know-how, you've got to have nous. And then you've got to have some flair, you've got to have some robustness and some, you know, some lunatics which we had <laughs> and in, yeah. uh, Martin gave us that balance single-handedly uh, and then you're going to have your technical players and you know like your Robbie Frears and, and uh, you know you could, the list is endless so you know I always felt the balance was brilliant the, the, the team spirit from day one was was unreal um, and you've got to look at the team in terms of individuals and what they had achieved and when they came in and then you've got Ray Parler being Ray you know it's the Dennis Burkamp thinking who on earth is this ginger fella? Curly air, just running amok around the training ground, just causing absolute chaos with the chef, with the kit man. You know, all these lads are coming in thinking, like, he's, he's an absolute madman. <laughs> Big question um, is, though, Graham, who was running the, uh, was running the music back then? Imagine there's a few different, was, different yeah, uh, to, tastes. Yeah, well, there wasn't many of us that had, like, the old iPhones back then, to be honest with you. But Thierry had every gadget in the book. So, like, if there was a gadget out, Thierry would have it, like, three weeks before everyone. So he was the one, yeah, to be fair. The Cakers used to have a, well, you say like a boombox. I don't even know what it, I couldn't even call it that back then. It was just like a small speakers. Um, Vic Cakers and, and his boombox, that's a sensor of party. Yeah, and then Sierra would, would have obviously the old cable back then. I don't know if they had Bluetooth. But as soon as he'd walk in in the morning, he'd fire the tunes on and that. Everyone just sort of cracked on and got on with it. Same on a match day. Thierry, sometimes I think Coley would throw some music on as well. But yeah, there was just, there was something on there for everyone. And with with the music, when you sort of make your debut in, in the first team and you start joining that setup and stuff, is that the, the true sense of acceptance? Uh, not when you're playing in the team, but when you're allowed to pick a tune. Is that is that when it's like, right, lads, he's in now? Yeah, well, do you know what? It's funny you say that because I've done, done a piece in the build-up to my... Um, to, to my debut against Rotherham and it was with the Sun and it was um, they came to the Scream Records in Cockfusters so I used to collect vinyl and DJ which was like all old garage and house tunes and um, one of the lads had put it up in the changing room so I'm there with my headphones on uh, behind the decks in this record shop doing an interview and then obviously after that the lads were like they sort of like challenged me a little bit and said <laughs> like, you, think you, know, you, you think you know what you're doing will you put some music on and I put some tunes on, and to be fair, it went down well. It got accepted. You're going straight in there with a DJ looking MC Neat. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I don't know what I threw on. It was about that era, though. To be fair, you can't be far that's off. a great era for that's a great era for garage music yeah, and stuff. It is, yeah, it is. So yeah, I think um, in terms of the music, and I, I would say I held my own. I got to say, Arsene Wenger, just just Graham on, on the League Cup. You made your debut in that game against yeah. Rotherham. That amazing penalty shoot. That you scored a penalty in that, right? Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. I mean, that was another. Well, what memorable day. So I grew up in pubs in West London. Parents had two pubs in West London. And obviously when sort of work got round, I was playing, uh, making my debut for Arsenal Highbury. It was that was two 50-odd seat of coach loads, you know, ready to go. So I had loads of family there to support me, loads of friends. So I remember going off my warm-up and um, my gloves had split. And I only had a, had a brand new pair of gloves, which is, you know, goalkeepers always tell you don't shouldn't wear a brand new pair of gloves at the wrapper. Out the um, for a game because it just doesn't bode well with the ball especially if it's wet it's just kind of need to break them in yeah. and I remember in the warm I could not catch a thing with these gloves and I was a absolute bag of nerves I was a nervous wreck every time someone sort of hit a volley at me I'd spill it I was getting making me even more nervous than what I actually should have been then I turned around behind the goal to get a ball from the ball boy and I could see like a hundred odd people, friends and families, directly behind my goal and I just <laughs> thought this is getting worse this is not what I need I wanted them to be sat the other side of the stand, and then I think as you as you sort of get warm and you, uh, and you get changed and you get up for the for the game, it just sort of your nerves settle. And I think I come and caught a cross early on, and and that was me. I was alright after that. I think I made a 
pretty decent save within about the first 15 minutes. So I, I kind of settled. And the game just happened. The game went pretty well for myself. Um, and I ended up scoring late on. Darren Byfield scored an equaliser late on, which I was kind of gutted about. But then, as being a goalie, it's always at the back of your mind thinking, this could go to pens here. <laughs> we just got like another half hour and it was part of me that didn't really want to nick it in extra time <laughs> I so, love that I, it's so yeah. just a part of it, it just yeah. as a goalie in the back of your head you think hey wait a minute this could be this could be my night yeah. here. Well, it's, it's on this dream. one this is the dream isn't it this is what you've, this is what you've grown up dreaming about making your debut at Highbury going to penalties and then saving the winning penalty which has always been the dream isn't it but then adding scoring one it's like hold on a minute it don't get better than that the only thing I tend to leave out with the penalty shootout is the score. I must say, I tell people <laughs> I scored one and saved one, but then when, when they ask the score and you said it was nine eight, get loads in. So I always try and. It was those new swerve. gloves, everyone. It was where I couldn't do anything about yeah. it. Yeah, I sort of sort of swerve telling everyone the scoreline to to make to make it sound slightly better. But but listen, it, to score to score a penalty and and to save one on your debut at Highbury under the lights with a little bit of drizzle on the pitch and all your family there. The most memorable thing I could I could have taken away from my football career, most certainly. What's interesting mm. to me is that Arsene, as we saw again and again, once a team was going well, you know, in yeah. the League Cup, he left it that way, of course, including a final as well. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing for you, wasn't it? That you probably knew that you would actually keep going as long as the League Cup yeah. went. Yeah, well, he actually pulled me before the Barrow game in the semis and we lost Martin Keogh and got sent off after about 20 minutes. But he actually said to me in the hotel before the game, look, Stacky, if we qualify and get to the final, you will play. He didn't have to say that. Mm. That was something he could have just left me and just let me go on with it and made me stew. But, he, you know, for him to put himself out and maybe that was maybe to put me at ease slightly and maybe give me that boost of confidence before the game. You know, to say, look, I'm backing you regardless. You know, you're going to play, you're going to play in the final. So... Listen, we didn't get there in the end, unfortunately. But what an incredible journey, you know, to, to play against the teams. You know, I did. Um, to get to the semi-finals of the League Cup. I mean, I, mean, the League Cup. I, mean, I was there, Graham. I, I was at that, that yeah, second I've got, I've got to tell you, Graham, he's been, he's been setting you up for this, right? Yeah, when been, he, yeah. As soon as you mentioned yeah. the League Cup, he was buzzing. Because he said, I was a <laughs> yeah, Borough fan. Course, yeah. He's totally set you up here. He's got you on a hook right now. And he just wants... Actually, yeah, I'm actually going to be very... Because yeah. I remember, I remember firstly, Arsenal, you actually played pretty well in that game. It was a known goal from yeah, Reyes that, that killed it. But that's right. there was one yeah. save that I... And I'm not just saying this because you're on the on the podcast, mate. There's one save that I still think is one of the best saves I've ever seen in real life, uh, which yeah. is macaroni, macaroni flick. One. If it yeah. went for macaroni flicks it like sort of jumping back heel. It's one of the weirdest shots you'll ever see. Yeah. And that save, Graham. I, I'm not. I wasn't teeing you, but yeah. I was actually teeing you up for a compliment because that was an unbelievable <laughs> yeah. stop. That. Well, it's funny you say that. People ask me, you know, what's the greatest save you've ever made, and I say. They all, they're all important for different reasons. You either keep yourself, just keep the team in the game or you, you keep the team up or you go on and win the game or whatever it might be. But actually, that, that save on that day has always stood out for me. I've got, I've got a few memories, as I said, quite a while ago. As a Borough fan, Graham, I'll tell you, it feels like a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Mate. That's why he's yeah, trying to relive it at any opportunity. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, Graham, yeah, you, you, you mentioned Arson um, briefly there. What, yeah. what was he like? Because I don't think people would expect this, but I get the impression he was actually... Quite a funny man, not always intentionally yeah, from he things was, I've heard. Because yeah. he got to know the group so well and he trusted the group. And so I wouldn't say I had a, gr- a great friendship with him by any means. And I wouldn't say many players did, but you did have a relationship with the manager. He did speak to you in the morning, he'd ask you about your weekend, he'd ask you about football matches, he'd ask you about training. And, and you know, we, you would spend a lot of time together. And he'd always have funny one-liners, which surprised me because <laughs> I just didn't, I didn't see it. I remember one day I got on the bus with a packet of Werther's Originals and um, I think I bought a Diet Coke. And oh, I school that, mate. What a meal for a professional athlete, that is. For a person I in the know. 20s as well. <laughs> well, this is it. And I thought, well, I go Diet Coke because I'm on the first team bus. <laughs> but I was on the youth team bus, so I'd have had a proper one. And um, me being me, I'm offering everyone a Werther's Original, sort of like flying around offering everyone sweets. <laughs> and then I think the gaffer sort of seen it. And he's pulled, um, he's pulled the chef that we had on the coach at the time and just said, look, just let Stacky know that he's got to throw them in the bin. And I was like, shit, <laughs> I didn't realise. Graham, what were those first years when, when you joined Arsenal? Because like? Arsenal had only been there a couple of years by that point. Obviously, he was making all yeah. these changes. What When you first walked into the club, I know it was with the, you know, with the Y2s, but you know, what yeah. was it like and what changes did you see in those first few years? Well, the thing that blew my mind, I was sort of playing for the under-18s, um, and we'd be playing at the training ground and we'd play on Saturday mornings. So sometimes the first thing we'd be preparing for games on a Sunday. So they'd be in. I just remember playing at London Colney and I'd turn around some days and like the gaff would be on the go. He'd be behind the go. We'd be watching the game. Like I was a Menga watching the under 18s game. That's like, you go up and down the country now. That's just unheard of. And when you see that, and I just thought that was, you know, as a young, as a young player, 
that gave us all, I think, a bit of hope. And that showed that he was really interested in what we were doing as a young group. Graham, are you sure, are you um, sure he was interested in that? Or he just wasn't checking you weren't there with your worthers that had confiscated <laughs> off you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there's every chance, to be fair. Maybe he was keeping an eye on me. I like but, the idea yeah. that he was going around confiscating. Like, when he went home at night, he's got your worthers. Got, uh, he's, <laughs> he's got, got someone whole, else's jelly babies. The whole room. Yeah, just, he just goes and snacks on, on the ball at home, yeah? Yeah, I bet he does. Graham, when you look back to that invincible season, I mean, you know, the one game that was so pivotal and stood out for a lot of people for so many reasons, and of course, you will have had an incredible view from the bench of how it all unfolded, was that game at Old Trafford, the, the battle yeah. that went on there. From your perspective of where you were sat, how that unfolded, because as a spectacle, it was incredible, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've got to say, it was what an emotional day that was. Um, there were so many parts of that day that were just... That were just huge talking points but ultimately for us to have come away and not got beat was like that gave us a huge lift because of what we had gone and done yeah there was parts of the game that were you know you'd look back on and say you know we were quite fortunate obviously to have not lost the game but you know the build up to the game and then after but that, I think that was not I wouldn't say a turning point but that was just a huge landmark in that season that sort of that made everyone realise what we can go on to achieve when you're when you're on the bench during that game and you're looking at it, it's sort of kicking kicking off and everything, and it's all yeah. going a little bit crazy after the the penalty miss. Yeah. Is there any point where you think, do, do I need to get involved in this, <laughs> or am I just going to just no. just sit back and just cross my legs and just uh, watch it all unfold? Here? Yeah, no, I'm, I was myself. I was more than happy watching Ray, and but there was like even like I do. Had a little, had a little yeah. go, didn't it? And I think Loren sort of. Yeah, he does a right a sneaky. Bit. He does a right sneaky yeah. one at the end. Yeah. But that's. Do you know what it is? What that is love. What I love to say about that is not. It's not just one. It's two, three, four. They're all supporting, backing each other. Yeah. Was it right? No, of course it wasn't right. But when you're part of that team and you can see <clears throat> the emotion on their faces and what it actually means to individuals, that I think that gives you all the lift. Because I think you're looking at these players going, that's how much they want it. That's how much they need to win games of football. That's how much they want success. Yes, the emotion can take over. Yes, the behaviour at the time was probably not not great. But it's the emotion of football. And, you know, you don't often see that. You don't see that a lot nowadays. So, yeah, you're on the bench. You, you're sort of like, you're just watching it all unfold, really. But but there was never, ever at one stage was I ever going to get involved in that. Not a chance. Was it that United game when you realised, do you know what, lads, we can go unbeaten it. That, you know, when that is sensational to do that. Yeah, I think that was a mess. Yeah, I must say, on that day, with the penalty, and Van Nistelrooy was probably one of the most remarkable goal scorers we've seen in that, you know, in the league. For him to have then missed and for them, that was like, well, here we go. This is, this is on. And then after the game, you start to speak about it and you start to actually think, yeah, we're going to do this. And after that, it was just that sense of belief. I didn't think anyone felt... Uh, we were going to games and I felt... But lads weren't... I wouldn't say they were too laid back. They thought it was going to be too easy for us. Complacent. There was just that sense and that aura around around the group that we just weren't going to get beat. Winning in the league at the White Hart Lane must have been an absolute chore as well, that, Graham. It's been horrible for you. <laughs> awful yeah. day, awful day, Graham, mate. But it could have been. Can you imagine? You know, you know, had it gone so differently, um, we'd, never, we'd never have sort of we'd be talking about it now, especially in Tottenham fans would be anyway, but so many elements like that as well. We got absolutely hammered on the way in on the bus with all sorts. Music was on, people were having a laugh, people were playing two-touch in the changing room. As we did every game, home and away, there'd always be a little game of two-touch. And everyone was just sort of back in the zone. Everyone was preparing and ready to go. We obviously ended up getting the result, which kept us unbeaten and obviously won the league. So, after that, I mean, I remember Jens after the game. Jens was gutted because it felt as though he was at fault for the goal. And I was like, big fella. Is that the Robbie Keane? Was that the penalty? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, but it, wasn't a, it shouldn't have been a penalty, that, should it? No, it shouldn't have been. But he's given it away, hasn't he? But can you imagine being a number two to Jens Lehmann? He was like, <laughs> I couldn't sit down. I couldn't relax. <laughs> because he's throwing balls at people. He's dragging people around the throw and thinking, he's definitely going to get sent off this season. And obviously, the longer the season was going on, you're thinking... You're going to put me under so much pressure because we're going to be unbeaten. We're going to have that two games to go. And you're going to lose your head and I'm going to have to play. <laughs> and we're going to get beat and it's going to be my fault. So can you stop acting like acting a goat and start throwing people around? Did it get to the stage then, Graham, when you thought, do you know what? I, I don't actually want to play in the league this season. Do you know what? I, I was desperate to play because yeah. I wanted to be part of that. 
But I want to, I want to, I want to sit at home and tell the kids that that season yeah. I played in the Premier League, the issue was making one mistake, you know, and then obviously costing this team of greats, greatest achievement in Premier League football. This would that be would a to- like. this would be a totally different interview right now, mate. I did on that. Yeah, well, can you imagine? <laughs> but that, but that, that then that sticks with you, then doesn't it? Forever. That is a, a little yeah, nugget of, of trivia well, that that's sticks your with legacy. you. That is your legacy, isn't it? You're the goalie that cost them the Invincibles or the title for whatever or whatever may have happened on the, on the back of that. Yeah. So the tension in going into games and throughout games, knowing that Jens can fly off the handle at any moment, <laughs> is like that's quite scary. So we've won, we've won it. Jens has gone and he's in the strop. So the staff have had to go and get him. Say, listen, Jens, liven up. We've just won the league. Like, come outside and celebrate. But he wanted a clean sheet. Obviously, we haven't kept a clean sheet, but we've won the Premier League. But he's still got the arm because he hasn't kept a clean sheet. But, but that was like the standards that Jens had set himself. But the celebrations in the change room after were brilliant. When you look back on that season and the Invincibles and the incredible achievement and the part that you played with that squad that, that year... Is there is there one thing, something that a player or Arsene Wenger said, a moment in the changing room before or after a game, where you look back and you think that that was the moment, that was the thing that was said that really got in the psyche, that really galvanised us towards such an achievement? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, there'd be incidents in training and stuff where you could see, you could just look in their eyes and you were like, these boys mean business. Like there's, they are letting, they're not this, this training stuff. And this is, this is motoring full steam ahead. Um, and I remember there was a game and it was Loren and Thierry, uh, and Loren had gone clean for, I think it was one all the time. I think it was quite late on. I don't know if it was against Tottenham at home, to be fair. I can't remember the score. It was just before half time actually. And Loren's should have cut the ball back. He hasn't, he's decided to try and shoot. And I think he's at the side netting. And you could, they were arguing during the game. They've got in at half time, and I kid you not, it was like a between the two of them. I thought they were gonna, I thought they were gonna kill each other. I thought, oh my god, they are. Thierry was fuming with Lauren because he didn't cut the ball back. Loren was fuming with Thierry for shouting at him because he felt we should have scored. But when you saw what it actually meant to them two regarding the goal or no goal, and the group in general, and the way the whole group reacted was just like these. These are so. There's just serial winners. And they don't care how much of a... And they were close. They were really close. But they just put that to one side. When it came to football, it was about winning. It was about performances. It was about scoring goals. And it had been about being successful. And I think that was um, I think that was special to see. And I think that's something that I've always took with me in my career. Graham, thank you so much for joining us on the Broken Metatarsal. Uh, fascinating to hear from you. And if nothing else, the, the first time ever, I think, we've ever heard of anyone who listens to Garage Music and likes a Werther's <laughs> original. If, if nothing else, mate, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Lovely speaking to you, mate. Cheers, fellas. Take care. So this episode of the Broken Metatarsal is brought to you by our friends at the Football Index. Pete, tell us how it works, mate. Right, so it's actually really, really simple. There are loads of ways you can approach it. But if I put it as simple as I can... It's a bit like the stock market. You want to buy low, you want to sell high, or, you know, you can work off the dividends. So, you could make your trade if you see a player that you think in a year or so could go for big money. Maybe a talent who's under the radar, maybe even a great player now who will only get better. You could buy shares in them and hopefully watch them rip it up further down the line and seeing, again, hopefully the price go up as they do. If they've been spoken about by some of the big sporting publications in the UK, that could also be good news for you because you go off dividends, but they're also being spoken about. So again, the old thing goes, it grows, it grows, it grows. It's all very nice. So if the better the player does in sporting publications, in the way they've been spoken about, and also on Optus stats, the better dividends you can look forward to, right? So you can hope these stats means your player become a star player, a top defender, midfield, a striker. If you're a keeper, you're getting clean sheets. Jobs are good and assists are obviously lovely too. Any of that will help with your dividends, right? You with me so far? So, so far, I'm with you. Right. It's really, <laughs> No pressure on the legs. It's, it's a good job you said that because it is really <laughs> simple. That was what I was about to say. If you said no and I said, well, it's actually really simple, that would be It is really, really simple. Not remotely difficult. I made trades last year when I saw Nicola Pepe in Ligue 1. I saw this guy and I thought, yes, he'll do for me. His Arsenal movement, I was quids in. Same actually goes for um, Ismail Assar as well. So Ismail Assar went after Watford. Good news for me as well. Saw them looking great last season, made a few trades, and it went really, really well. So it's simple. If you're getting involved, you need to be over 18, you need to do it responsibly, and if there are any issues, please, please, please do head over to BeGambleAware.org and make sure you look at the terms and conditions as well, which I'm sure everyone knows to do now, but it's important people know. I've really, really enjoyed it. It's been 
really good fun so far more than anything. So if you want to get involved in this, the football stock market where you can buy and sell players for real money, TBM Index. If you use that code, TBM Index, you can trade with a £500 money-back guarantee. TBM Index. It is the Broken Metatarsal. Myself, Rich, uh, Mark Holmes, Alex Brooker and Pete Farris here as well. Um, that season, the game, I guess, everyone looks back to. It's It's not probably even the one where you won the league, Alex, at White Hart Lane or where you went unbeaten for the whole season. It's, it is that game at Old Trafford, isn't it? It's the Van Nistelrooy penalty and it yeah. all kicks off and it's just one of the the great moments, isn't it? I know, like, I suppose it's it's kind of relative because relative it's my team. But when I look back at that, and I know they all got fined and stuff like that and it booted off a pile of... Half of them got fined, like Keown. But I look back at it and it was just like, we had so much fight in us. Like, genuinely, like, you see Van Nistelrooy You love to see it. You do love to see it. <laughs> and it's just, we've never had that since. Like, we were horrible. Like, Vieira, as good as he was, was horrible. You know, he owns you know. the one for me, you know, as a non-Arsenal fan. Yeah. Obviously, he's your shit house, so you love him. Yeah. But for anyone else, just the snarling, that thing with Van Nistelrooy. I'm not a Man United fan either, but I just hate he's him. He's right in his, he's a proper, like, macho man Randy Savage, <laughs> Ric Flair. So, like, he's right in his face. I'll tell you what, another one, though, who, like... Everyone remembers Dennis Bergkamp, rightly so, for being like one of the most wonderfully skillful players you'll ever see. But he could be horrible. He'd have little elbows. He'd sometimes leave his foot in every now and again. It would, it'd always be passed off as, that's a striker's tackle. <laughs> <laughs> it's just oh, like, the Shearer defence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I look back on that season as a Leeds fan, and I mean, you just you spanked us. Twice, yeah, we did. Twice, Henri just couldn't stop scoring goals against us. And now that's my that's my memory. But the season before, of course, we basically prevented you yeah, from winning the did. title. So in a way, you could say that with Henri and Arsenal beating us so heavily in two games during that season and us spurring you on the season before, Leeds were pretty much responsible for the whole run. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember the Riverside, like you came to the Riverside, I was at that game and we started really, really well. But they just within about five to ten, well, not about ten to fifteen minutes, it just became clear almost naturally, almost like everyone was telepathically understanding that Arsenal were going to batter us. Like it was this thing of, oh, we've started really well here, but oh God. That and was, then it just unraveled. I remember that was like the opening game of the season, I think. Unbelievable game. And they just literally, like, it was back then when we, we'd go for a spell and just blow teams away. Yeah. Yeah. And then the rest of it, they'd just control it and they'd go out, go 3 0 up in about 15, 20 minutes. And then after that, they just control it. And it's a bit that, like what that City spot do. On, now. You know, saying about controlling it, it, it felt watching Arsenal in those days that. Just by playing, just by being on the pitch, they could keep teams at bay. And then Henri or Perez would just say, should we win this one now, lads? And they'd just turn it on and suddenly in five minutes you just That's take it, on the old team and all, blow all them away. All the best teams have like gears to move through. Yeah. Whereas I think Arsenal now don't really. I think they've got a couple. Whereas back then, we, you know, we we could like really turn it on. And it was like, you know, the the following season, that, that the home game against Borough. Mm. And I remember Borough going 3-1 up. And I think we won like 5-3. And Reyes scored an unbelievable goal in that game as well. And I remember during that game thinking, literally, doesn't matter how many goals the other team score, we'll just we'll blast That them is the away. best feeling as a football fan. When, you're, yeah. when your team's in form and you're like, oh, we've gone one down, we're still going to win this. We're two down, we're still going to win it. It's great. And you were saying about... Um, <laughs> I, wish, I wish I knew how that felt. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, mate. You'll get it one day, one day. It's all good. And you were saying about how you know it didn't really matter who they played. I mean, I think my, my favourite quote from Wenger about that season is that it got he said it got to a stage where we didn't even consider the opposition club we just went out and played football and that has to be like the pinnacle of if you could you're not even worried about what we do what we do and we'll go and win yeah, the game that, that was again I don't want to seem ungrateful but that was an amazing <laughs> that was an amazing attitude that he had at the time it went to shit when he still had it about eight years on you didn't have Henri you had Park Chu Young and it was just like, you can't... And they literally, he kept that attitude of they never prepared for the opposition. I still maintain that the start of the following season, 04-05, the first, like, kind of six, seven games or so, still up there with some of the best football I've ever seen Arsenal play. I remember us beating Charlton at home and Henri scored that back flick. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah, yeah. like, games at, at, like, Borough at home and we were just... We still looked bang on it. And then we got a couple of injuries and obviously... We went to United where, Here we go. where the run ended. Mate. Before he starts, <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times Brooker has made me watch or just talk about this game right. over the past, what is it, 12 years. All good things must come to an end. I get that. 49, like really, once it gets past a certain stage, you don't really keep thinking about it. Come on, lads, you've had your fun. But 
that United game, I wouldn't have minded getting beat by the better team. But that game, it's one of the worst refereeing performances you will ever see. There's a YouTube clip of it, right? I have been right, made to watch right, it okay. several I times. Said, I sent this to Holmes yesterday because I always go on about it. I went, just watch this. And it's nine minutes and it's all of the, the key incidents in that game, all of the fouls. And you look at it and literally, like they targeted Reyes from the start. There was a couple of what they call like industrial fouls <laughs> on him. I mean, you couldn't do it now. But like 2004, we're not talking about the 70s. Yeah, yeah. Like, Jesus, I mean, they were still red cards. Like Ferdinand did a professional foul when Lundberg was clean through. And didn't even didn't even get booked. No, Ashley Cole got the first booking of the game for a shirt pull, and there'd been about six or seven after. And I honestly search out this video on YouTube, and I know you may go, <laughs> he's ranting here. Brooke has lost his head. Maybe this is this is about, can I just say that this podcast is supposed to be a nice podcast for you, mate. Remember, the, and no, you've, you've taken yourself into you, this. this, this you've delved place. into dark doom. Yeah, yeah it, it happened. What, that it does was. happen. And also, Rooney died for the penalty. I don't give. <laughs> Campbell shouldn't have flicked his foot out, but Rooney absolutely died for the penalty. But it's all right because he was Wayne Rooney. He was here England's golden and just child. Just to, to put some context, there, it was the tenth game the following season so definitely done two at the end of the season before the events was something yeah full season and then another nine and i'll give him his dues he is right about this game it was but the problem was but then you look at it and for a team so strong mentally after that they broke and they went they went on a terrible run i mean gilberto getting injured was a big a big factor in it and that's when fabregas sorry to interrupt i'm so so glad you've mentioned gilberto because i've got a fact which you might not know about gilberto (laughs) i need to Brush up on this, but he's got a giant anteater named after him, Gilberto. I think it was in London Zoo, and if memory serves me correct, it's now been moved to Bournemouth Zoo. The anteater's had a child, so, and it's now Gilberto Jr. or, some, or Silver or something like that. Honestly, look it up and so go and visit that anteater. So it was in London Zoo. I think so. Don't... It got a transfer to Bournemouth. Yeah. <laughs> what was it, 29? Weren't <laughs> <laughs> yeah. offering contracts. The, the, the message here is. Go and visit Gilberto the Giant Anteater. We were so good and there were so many positives to it. I think I'd look back on it more fondly if we'd have not gone completely, um, not completely to shit, but pretty bad considering really. I like the whole fact that the start of that all began with with you, Alex, saying, I don't mind that we lost the game. <laughs> going into a massive rant about why you shouldn't have lost the game. Uh, look, let's, uh, let's do a bit of football fact or football fiction based on this Invincibles season. Uh, you three both have stories from the Invincibles season. Uh, only one of them is true. The other two have been totally made up. Uh, my job is to work out uh, with everyone else listening which one is the truth. So um, let's start with you, Pete. What you got? Okay, so during the Invincibles season... Arsene Wenger broke his glasses in training and had to borrow Pat Rice's reading glasses for three games. Wenger breaks his glasses. Alex, what have you got? Freddie Lundberg took a football hiatus to make a decision over becoming a furniture designer. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yes, of course. Trying to work out, Richard. And Mark, what have you got? When they completed the season unbeaten, um, as part of the celebrations with the squad, David Bentley head in Tony Adams' car, and I can, I like that kind of hijinks, as you know, Brooker. Um, right up your alley. It really is, really is, I like that kind of banter. Obviously planning on, you know, jumping out when Adams is driving in the back seat, um, but of course they're out celebrating, so Adams ends up getting the taxi home, and Bentley's stuck there, locked in the back of his car. Right, so you're saying David Bentley was stuck in, uh, locked in the back of Tony Adams' car. Yeah. There's something that doesn't make sense here. Go on. You said he went into the boot, so that he could scare him in the back seat? Because you can pull the back seats down, can't you? So he's planning on once Adams is driving, push the back seat. Rah! Okay, all right. <laughs> I mean, I would say it probably depends what car you've got. Like a smart car is probably quite difficult all to... Right, I, see, I see what you're saying there. <laughs> Tony, Tony Adams definitely wasn't driving a smart Imagine car. Imagine that, Tony Adams with a smart car. It's like pouring around. They didn't exist. On his way to Azerbaijan. That'd be amazing. <laughs> um, how did Banger yeah. break his glasses? It was just in training. He was just caught basically by a ball. He still does, to this day apparently, does not know... Who did it? It was probably Colo Torre. He was always going in on Wenger and trading, wasn't he? Yeah, but this is the thing as well. He had to. He, he ordered his glasses from Paris, so it wasn't like he could nip down to like you know. So this is why it's three games without glasses. Yeah, because he had. To, it took three games for them to come from some bespoke glasses you know, to come over from you Paris. Know, genuinely, you know where it started? Like I didn't see it. That's where that started. That's where it started. Yeah. He didn't have his. Yeah, <laughs> didn't have his glasses. reading glasses on. <laughs> he yeah. actually did. He started it in training and then carried it on. And finally, Freddie Lundberg takes a hiatus to become a furniture designer. 
Yeah, just he just got bang into it, didn't he? You know, footballers need hobbies, and you know he'd done a bit Swedish. of modelling. He's, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's a he's a stylish yeah. guy, Makes right? Sense. Yeah, he's a man of the world, isn't he? Fred yeah, he is, yeah. You know, model, you know, he's modelling Calvin's got red hair, and he's like, I reckon I could design a, a chaise long. <laughs> I love that that after you when you go, I'm gonna have to retire, but uh, do you know what? I really uh, bang into Chez Long. L- Ludenberg is the is, does sound like the name of a piece of IKEA furniture though, doesn't it? I mean it does, yeah, you know, it's you a Swedish buy, name, isn't it? You know, Malm, Ludenberg, you know, whatever it might be that you get. I'm dismissing David Bentley in the car. I can't can't see that whatsoever. There, there are too many your story's not adding up for me. Chester. It does sound like a David Bentley thing though, doesn't it? Like Yeah, he could do it. I'm just I'm just dismissing it as is, you know, as is my You're right. right. Yes. Right. I am also dismissing the glasses because three weeks to get a new pair of glasses. Come on. Shipped over specially from Paris when you're like a multi-millionaire who gets specific glasses made. You're Lots, Long Wenger. way from you're London, up. isn't it, Paris? Arsene Wenger, you get it quicker. Yeah, but it's, it's probably more in the manufacturer, isn't it? But Freddie Lundberg was probably doing them as well. <laughs> I, am, I am going with, with Ludenberg's furniture. You're right. Honestly. He did. Yeah, right. he took did. time out. He just wanted to get... Bang into it. So has he has he done some then? He no, apparently he's just back at assistant Arsenal. <laughs> he's redesigned the bench. It's lovely. <laughs> just for lighter weight players, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He apparently went off and like probably got into it and took courses and did loads of yeah. He really got into it. Did Arsene Wenger ever break his glasses in training? I bet he did. Yeah, I, mean, I don't have that information to hand necessarily. Was David but, yeah. Bentley ever in it? He's probably, probably, probably there was. at the moment. He probably yeah. was. <laughs> probably where he's now, there. actually, yeah. Well, that's it for the uh, Invincibles episode of the Broken Metastyle. So, Alex, I'll just give you the last word on this, Alex, before we go. Uh, just sum up the season in a sentence as an Arsenal fan. Glorious. And then here's one word. Just one word. Okay. That's all he wanted. I tried to say it wistfully as well, so <laughs> just... Glorious. <laughs> Magnificent. He's after some more voiceover work. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Contact at planetfootball.com if you would like to speak to Alex. Uh, well, thanks again to our sponsors, Football Index, the football stock market, which allows you to make the most of your football knowledge by buying shares in players you think will rise in price and win dividends for their performance on the pitch and in the media. Sign up today at the footballindex.co.uk. If you use the code TBM, as in the broken metastarsal, TBM Index, uh, you will get a £500 money back guarantee. New customers only, 18 plus. BeGambleAware.co.uk And if you've got any noughties memories you'd like to cover, uh, you've seen any obscure noughties players working, I don't know, in your local petrol station or something like that, uh, the email is contact at planetfootball.com. Mark, thank you very much. Alex, Pete. Cheers, guys. Thank you. been a pleasure. Thank you very much. And join us next time where I'll literally be diving into football dreamland when we recollect one of the most incredible, magnificent, surprising, heroic, impressive and damn right beautiful campaigns that the world of football has ever seen. It's the time that Leeds United nearly achieved something unprecedented and phenomenal before predictably not doing either. It's Leeds United in the Champions League next time on The Broken Metastarsal. Thank you.